day by day and with each passing moment strength i find to meet my trials here trusting in my father's wise bestowment i've no cause for worry or for fear he whose Stephanie thought I wanted that songbook so I could sing, I guess, but yeah, that's okay. I could have used that too. This afternoon, we was at the nursing home and uh, uh, just, uh, man, I tell you what, you talk about folks that love music, you know, and uh, they just love that. Uh, you, you know, the, the, the place we were at, and I say nursing home, but really it's more of a, uh, what do you call it, assisted living, and it's kind of a combination and they had a lockdown for COVID today, you know. So after I, when I greet you today, we'll be fine. Don't worry about it. But uh, they, they, a lot of the folks couldn't even show up. Last uh, time I was there just two weeks ago, and there was 20-some folks. And this week there were three. 
And uh, I saw a couple of them tried to sneak in, but they were really, really loud. But uh, they, got, they, broke, they broke curfew, man. They, sn they snuck out of their rooms. I tell you what, they had people chasing them down the halls, and it was terrible. <laughs> no, they're just great, though. We enjoyed it. It was a good time with them. Well, tonight, we're going to have a good time tonight and uh, looking forward again to what God has in store for us even later in the evening. But right now, the, this is what it's really all about, the preaching time. And uh, Brother Don Tinsley is going to come and preach. He's been here before, and uh, it's been a while ago. How long has it been? Last year, was it, at least? Yeah, and I, I just really appreciate him, his ministry. Uh, I really, really appreciate his wife. And she's a blessing to me and my family and always has been. Whether she was to her own or not, she was to ours. And uh, I'm sorry, Becky, I can't help it every time, you know. I haven't changed, have I? Okay, so anyway, we're going to have... <laughs> With the way Brother Dave just looked at me, I, I felt like, you know, he's like, whatever. Okay, so, uh, Brother Don, you better come up here before I get in real trouble. Uh, Amen. Good to be with you tonight. Thank you so much for being here, and we appreciate that. Take your Bibles, if you would, turn to 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter number 16. 1 Samuel chapter number 16. <clears throat> Always honored to stand behind this pulpit. Just in this few days in November, uh, we, my wife and I got married in this church, except it was not at this location. It was at the old building. And so this, this church is a special place for me. Uh, don't ask if it's special for my wife or not, but it's special for me. And I, <clears throat> I appreciate your preacher. Uh, even as a, a guy not even through with Bible college yet, was just always all, has always been a friend to me through these many, many years. Always very gracious when we come. And I don't take it lightly when somebody allows me to stand behind their pulpit. I've watched this church for over 20 years now. And just see how the Lord has worked this thing out and what God has done here, giving you this building. I, I can remember coming into this building before it was finished and when y'all had just bought it and construction was on and now seeing it completed, it's just an amazing work. All the Sunday school wing up there this morning, man, I, I just encourage my, and I, let me just encourage you, church member, don't take what you have here for granted. It's not like this everywhere. That choir singing this morning, everybody, I looked around, some of you kind of like folks in my church, you can't smile. It's, a, it's okay. That's on three now, let's practice it here. One, two, three. You know, the joy of the Lord is my strength. And so, and that special music that, that you've been hearing, don't take that for granted. It's not, it's not like this everywhere. And so I, I, I wrote some thoughts down, and I have a sermon, and, and I won't keep you long because I love nursery workers, I promise you that. And You don't want to turn them heathens loose in here, I promise you, they'll run a church out of here. But, but I thought this morning, as, as I was just sitting out there looking at the church and, and looking at what God is doing here, if you're here tonight and you're wondering and you're looking for a church, where are you going to find another church in this area that runs the buses like this church does? If you're looking for a church, where are you going to find a church in this area that goes soul winning like this church does? If you're looking for a church, where are you going to find a church in this area that has the choir this church does and the special music that this church does? I don't understand what you're waiting for. Why haven't you joined yet? There's no, as far as I know, there's no greater place to join. If the Lord wants you here, just why quit? Keep fighting it. Then I thought to myself, there's always some, and I've got them in my church always looking for a place to go. 
But where are you going to go where the Bible's preached like it's preached at this place? Where are you going to go where the choir sings better than this choir? Where are you going to go where the, the staff is as good as this staff? You see, I mean, it's, isn't it funny? We're always looking, is this the place for me? And then God moves us here, this is the place for us. Then we're always looking for reasons to leave. Man, I'm telling you, I've been all over the country this summer. There's not too many places like this place. Appreciate what you have. If you have your Bibles, and that was free, you're very welcome. I don't want to start preaching. Brother Mark, what time do I need to be done? Just go ahead? Okay. <clears throat> Thank you very much. I promise you, and most of the time when you hear that from a preacher, he's like, preacher, why did you just say that? But I promise you, I'll be respectful of your time. I know you got a lot going on, but I cannot do what I do without my family. And so, Becky, would you stand up and the girls? And so I appreciate them. They have traveled with me all summer. We This is our fifth or sixth week to be gone this summer. We got one week at home. That was last week. And so now we're heading back tomorrow, but I appreciate my family. This is my wife, Becky, our daughter, Sarah. Pray for me. She'll be driving me back to Louisiana tomorrow. And so y'all just pray for me. And then my youngest daughter, Megan, I appreciate them. And you can be seated, girls. Thank you so much. It's good to have my brother-in-law, Josh, with us. He's up from the Carolinas. They had a family reunion yesterday, and I appreciate Josh being here. Then also mom and dad, they've put up with me for a lot of years. And so we just, we have a good time. And I, I can tell you this, I can tell you, my in-laws walk with God. Boy, I can tell you that, and I appreciate them so very much, and letting a bunch of heathens from Louisiana bombard their house and mess up their, their normalcy, and it's probably a little louder than it normally is, and, and you know, today's the day of rest, and they were up there cleaning. I said, y'all know today's Sunday's the day of rest, and they were cleaning, and so, it, but it's different when you have folks come, but I, I, I do appreciate you coming. I'm always amazed that folks come to hear me preach, and he announced that I was going to preach to you tonight, and you still showed up anyway, so let me just say thank you. If you had your Bibles open, 1 Samuel chapter number 16, a very familiar passage of Scripture. <clears throat> I believe everybody's preached several, heard several sermons out of it before. I know Brother Mark does not ask, but can I ask a question? If you're a visitor tonight, would you raise your hand? Any visitors with us? Okay, hey, listen, y'all got to come back when Brother Mark preaches. Don't, take, don't judge this church by me being here, okay? So y'all please, if you're a visitor... If you're a visitor, we appreciate you being here, but you got to come back when Brother Mark's preaching because uh, you need to hear him. That is for sure. And so, <clears throat> 1 Samuel chapter 16, if you have your Bibles, look at verse number 4. I'm telling you, the lighting up here is wonderful. I wonder if I can add some hair to my head. It's, it's great. I mean, that thing's bright, and my Bible's bright, and so I appreciate that. I see all these cameras around, and I'm in trouble, because if it adds 10 pounds, then I'm really in trouble. So <clears throat> all you folks watching from live stream, I appreciate you watching. Thank you, Lord. And I'm not as fat as I appear on your TV screen, all right? And so First <laughs> Samuel chapter 16, verse number 4. Notice what the Bible says. And Samuel, next word. Did that which the Lord spake. And came to Bethlehem and to the elders of the town. And the elders of the town trembled at his coming. Now that pops out to me. Why would the priest come into town and the elders get nervous that he was there? Now I don't have time to go into it. But in chapter number 15 you'll find Saul was told to go to the Amalekites and to kill everything. Wipe them all out. Sheep. People, everything, and we know that Saul disobeyed, and he, he did not kill Agag the king, and they kept some sheep there. And so, and so Samuel comes back and says, hey, Buster, the Lord's done with you. 
And we find in chapter number 15 and verse number 32, if you go back to it, just look up the page there. And then said, Samuel, bring ye hither to me Agag, the king of the Amalekites. And Agag came unto him delicately, or in a delight, if you would. And Agag said, Surely the bitterness of death is past. And Samuel said, As the sword hath made women childless, so shall thy mother be childless among women. And Samuel, next word. Y'all got the King James, right? You sure? Because I only heard three people. Let's, let's try that again. And, and, and Samuel did what? Hewed Agag in pieces before the Lord in Gilgal. Now we read our Bibles and we just go, th- you realize the, the man of God just killed somebody and not just killed him, chopped him up into pieces right there. Now he's coming into Bethlehem and he's coming to Jesse's house and, and the people of the city see Samuel coming. And I mean, Samuel was not some soft, sp- he may have been soft spoken, but he had a reputation and the elders of the city, when they came in, they're saying, hey, Samuel's here. They just heard what he had done. Can you imagine Brother Mark killing a disgruntled member (laughs) next week? Chopping him up into pieces and then the following Sunday coming. And he steps out. I promise you there'll be a level of respect. You better better behave yourself. (laughs) You come here peaceably. Brother Mark, that's Samuel. Now, for those of you watching, this is biblical. Uh, Brother Mark's not going to kill anybody as far as I know. And if he does next week, I had nothing to do with it, okay? Because it is probably going to be on YouTube now. But if you would look back at verse number 5 of 1 Samuel 16. The elders have asked, come peaceably. And, and he said, peaceably I come to sacrifice unto the Lord. Sanctify yourselves. Come with me to the sacrifice. And he sanctified Jesse and his sons and called them to the sacrifice. And it came to pass when they were come, he looked on Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. Notice verse 7. But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, before, uh, because I refused him, for the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. Father, I ask that you would take the next few moments. Holy Spirit of God, I need your power as I stand behind this sacred desk. Lord, we sure thank you for Brother Josh's sermon this morning. Lord, I thank you for Brother Kavanaugh's lesson in Sunday school. But Father, we need to touch from heaven tonight in our hearts in this place, in this hour. Father, I ask that you cleanse me from sin and self. Lord, I ask that you be with our people in Louisiana as they're about to start their services as well. Be with Brother Moore as he brings the message to them. Lord, I ask that you'd meet with us in a special way. May your will be done in Jesus' name. Amen. I've had the privilege of pastoring. Is this on now? I've had the privilege of pastoring our church and now for eight years. We just celebrated our eighth year anniversary. I was an assistant pastor there for 11 years, and so we've been there 11 years. So I understand the opportunity as an assistant pastor to stand up and preach. It's a wonderful thing. The worst thing that could ever happen, though, is when you're an assistant and the pastor tells you you're going to preach, and then he comes back into town because nobody ever wants to preach when the pastor's there. And so as an assistant, though, as an assistant, Pastor, you can say whatever you want to. You don't have to worry about any bills being paid. You run somebody off. Sorry, preacher, I didn't mean to, you know, but now, you know, as a pastor, wait a second. 
You got you got bills that have to be paid, salaries that have to be met, payroll that has to be has to be met. But I, it's been a joy of my life to preach there at the Indian Hills Baptist Church. I get to live the dream. I, I pastor my home church, and so uh, our folks just love us, and we love them. And my wife, they love my wife, and it's just an honor of our life to be there. And as some of you have heard, I am from the great state of Louisiana. We are last in just about everything, and so education. Poverty, murder, everything. We're probably first in murder, but last in everything else. But, uh, but, but we're from there. You don't retire to Louisiana because you want to. It's, but you, you're born and bred there. That's why you stay there. And a lot of our folks leave there, you know. And so, but, uh, but we do. We love it there. And so Brother Josh got up this morning. Hope you're enjoying the heat wave. I was like, heat wave? This is spring for us. I mean, this is, it's, you, <laughs> but ask me in January. I'll be enjoying the winter while y'all are freezing. <clears throat> but as uh, we come to the scripture tonight, we find David is about to be anointed by the priest Samuel to be the next king. God tells Samuel, don't look on the outward. You saw his older brother Eliab, and he, he was not the one. And notice what the scripture says, and he seeth the man, for a man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. And for a second time, he goes through and brings us. Seven of his brothers came through, and all of them were no. God told Samuel, that's not the one. And he asked his dad, Jesse, or he asked Jesse, do you have any more? He said, yes, I have some more. And one more is in the shit, and he's a shepherd, and he said, go get him. I'm not going to sit down until he comes. And when David walked in, God told Samuel, that's the one. That's the one. Now, wait a second. He was not the oldest. He was not the strongest. He, I don't know if he was the best looking one of the bunch. But God does not look on our outward appearance. He looks on our heart. My friend, you may be here tonight, and, and you may not be the prettiest person in the room. But thanks be to God, God don't look on the outward he looks on the heart. Billions of dollars every year are spent on your body, and you got to do this, and you got to do this, and you got to do this, and you got to do this. But I thank God that I serve a God that does not look on the outward appearance. He looks on the heart. My daughter finishing up her school on the way here, she had to read this book, and it's Julius Caesar. Some of you in here have read this book before, and you say, man, that is a work of art. I've read this book before, and I said it was a waste of time. Now, I don't care what category you're in. Is this thing all right? <clears throat> That's the second time it's done that. Are we, is it good? Am I doing something wrong? Okay, good. Anyway, anyway so this is the, the, I've read this in high school, and I, just, I did not need to pick it up and read it again. But the teacher used to always tell us, don't judge a book by its cover. I can't judge a book yet until I read the book. You know, I'm glad I stayed in a place long enough that I could see God do some things in the hearts and lives of some folks in our church in Louisiana. You don't have to turn there, but if you turn Matthew chapter number 7, it seems like that there's always, there's one verse that everybody who's ever gone to church knows. And anytime you, you say something that they may disagree with or you say something that they may not like, they always say, quote this verse to you, and this is all they say. Notice it, Matthew chapter 7 and verse number 1, Judge not that ye be not judged. I can't tell you how many times people say, Well, that's not real Christian of you. And I just don't think you ought to judge. Well, I see God judged. 
There were seven brothers that came by. And God looked at him and said, hey, that's not the one. I saw guys this morning, there's some here tonight, the security team. You got earpieces in your ear. I hope if a guy walks up with an AR-15 that you don't know, try, trying to get in the doors of the church, I hope that you pass a little judgment on them and say, hey, we may need to call some reinforcements. I hope that. Every Sunday school teacher here, your pastor and administration has had to go through some protocols so you could teach. You had to pass a, a background check. You may be the best person in the room, but if you're a felon with domestic, domestic abuse, you're not going to be able to, to serve with a kid's ministry or in leadership of a church. That's just the way it is. Well, judge not. Judge not. Judge not. I find, though, that God judges. My friend, He is going to judge. He's going to judge you and I. Don't judge a book by its cover. Don't judge a book by its cover. We come here tonight. You may be here tonight and in our church, and I can't, most of you will never come to our church, so if you would tonight, I'd just like to bring a little bit of Louisiana to you. There's a guy who walked in our church. I was so glad he came. He had a shaved head and he had tattoos all over his top of his head. He came to our service two or three times, and man, our people just, they were, you know, not meaning to, but if you're here tonight and you got a tattoo, I'm not preaching at you. I was glad that he's here. I love it when people come to our church that, that don't look like our church, and man, people just don't know. I was like, so shut your mouth, just push that thing up there, go up there and shake his hand. I went to see him, and he said, preacher, he said, I won't be coming back. I said, Why? He said, too many people were looking at me. Well, isn't that the reason you did it? Grow your hair out then and cover it up. And, and he, but, uh, but you see those folks, and, and even though we know we're not supposed to pass judgment, we all pass judgment. I promise you this. I see Brother Mark's family here. I promise when them sons-in-laws came to his house for the first time, there was some judgment passed. When the, when the boys come to my house, there's going to be some judgment passed. I know when, when I met my father-in-law for the first time, there was some judgment passed. I know when the, when the boys brought their girlfriends home and, and to, to meet mom and dad, I know there was some judgment passed. And Miss O'Donnell, oh, you're not good enough for my son. There was judgment passed. That sounded like Louisiana music right there. Shame on you. I was out soul winning. Knocked on the door, and I don't even know what they're called. It was probably 10 years ago when they first came out. You know, those things they put in their ears and they waller out their earlobes. I don't even know what they're called. I was talking to the guy, inviting him to church, and I did it, and I was stupid, and I, I regretted it. I said, so, is that for your girlfriend? She can just grab a hold of you and take you where you want you, want you to go. By the way, that didn't work. He's never been to our church. And so don't do that. But I see those folks in the store, and I'm like, and then they look at you. Don't look at me. Then why'd you do that if you don't want me to look? I tell our church people all the time, I promise you, if, if I ever get in a fight with somebody with one of those things, I'm going after those first. I can, if I can get my finger through that thing, I can take them wherever I want them to go. But we say, Brother Don, we shouldn't judge, and we shouldn't judge. But my friend, we live in a world where we have to make judgments. We have to. I'm glad, though, God doesn't look on the outward appearance. He looks on the heart. How many times have we had preconceived ideas about people by the way they look? But I'm sure, God, sure glad God doesn't look 
on our outward appearance. So if you would tonight, I'd just like to preach to you out of my heart. I promise you I may not make it through it. But don't judge a book by its cover. You'll never get to come to my church, many of you, if you're ever in Louisiana. You want to come, we'd love to have you. But if you would, show me the first picture, please. If it comes up. You see that young man right there? That young man right there, he played football, and he's from Louisiana there, and was all district center his senior year. At that time, he was, he was there. That young man right there was drinking four nights a week. Going to school drunk on every Thursday night, he would go to a bar. And every Friday night, he would go to a bar. Every Saturday night, he would go to a bar. And then on church, he would go to church because the rule in his house was that his mom said, you have to be in church two services a week. So either Sunday school and church was a service or Sunday morning and Sunday night. Would go to church most times hungover. You're here today and you got a problem with drinking. This young man knows exactly where you were. But all of a sudden, God got a hold of that young man. And boy, he was 19 years of age, and he was sitting in a bar, and he, he told me that he was sitting in a bar. He had two beers in each hand. And as he was sitting there in a bar drinking and looked out across the dance floor, man, everything was hopping just like the world. And man, it was a picture of happiness according to world standard. But in his heart, he said, there's got to be something better than this. And it just so happened at that time a, a new pastor came to the church and that new pastor was kind of a younger guy and he took an interest in young people and he reached him. And we look at that young man, hey, that's not too bad. Nothing really wrong with him. That young man stands before you today. You wouldn't think a guy drinking four times a week would be preaching to you on a Sunday night. Look at all that hair. Whew. Glory days, the good old days. Don't judge a book by its cover. Turn to the second picture, if you would. We can stay there all night. That's fine. <laughs> it does look good. That guy right there. A little older. 1970s action there. All the bangs there. Do you think that that man, just looking at that picture, if we were to just to say some of you girls are like, ugh. But if you just looked at his picture, do you think he would be a pastor three, three hours away from where I'm standing tonight? Just three hours away. First time he came to church, he was in Florida, went to church in Florida. He and his wife, he had a shirt on with a, a Playboy bunny on it. Walked in there, his wife, he tells the story, his wife was in a miniskirt, and they walked in and they could hear the snickering from the church people. He looked to his wife and said, they're glad we're here. But you know, God saved them. And man, God gave them some jobs to do and, and he couldn't do anything. His hair was long and he said, the preacher said, hey, will somebody paint the playground? He raised his hand and that's how he got hooked. And boy, God just started using him, started walking with God and, and learning and cut his hair and volunteering for things around the church. And that man right there went to Pensacola Christian College. And if you'll turn to the next page, but that man right there, uh, years later, came down to Shreveport, Louisiana and saw an old drunk football player, 19-year-old, and took some interest in him and tried to show him the things of God. And that man right there that had a hippie haircut and a Playboy bunny on his shirt was the one that reached me. Don't judge a book by its cover. 
I'm glad I've been in the church long enough that I can see people walk in the door. And I didn't know till years later when he came back on our 30th anniversary of our church and, and I have him every couple of years, he and his wife, they come down and he said, Don, he said, I'll be honest with you. I didn't know how to reach you. I'm like, what? You're a pastor. Took a, left a church of 350 people in Burn, Indiana to come to Shreveport, Louisiana. His first Sunday had 40 people in the church. He said, I didn't know how to reach you. He said, I'd go to God, and I'd pray to God that he'd show me a way to reach you. I'm like, are you serious? He started volleyball on Sunday night. Every other, every other Sunday night, as I was walking out the door of the church, you coming to Sunday night to play volleyball? No. He said, I thought you were scared. That's all I need to hear. I said, I'll be here tonight to plant spalding on your forehead. And 6 o'clock on Sunday night, guess where I sat? That happened for about four weeks in a row. Every Sunday I'd walk out the church door and he'd talk trash to me about volleyball. About the fifth Sunday night, I'm sitting in church. I said, you know what, I'm not here for volleyball tonight. I'm here because something's going on inside of here. Boy, God cleaned me up, and I started getting a relationship with him. I saved at a young age, but boy, God started doing the work. Boy, I'm sure I'm glad some people in the church didn't judge a book by its cover when they walked in. Go to the next one. Go to the next one. That guy right there. You see over there, some of you old-timers, you know what that is. That's an old, old-timey beer can sitting there on the right next to the telephone with a cord on it, by the way. <laughs> Looking at that picture, go to the next one. He's in the mountains there. See the cigarette in his hand? Young man right there met his wife, got her pregnant out of high school. They got married at 17 years of age. Lived in a car for a while, is first married. Years later, God saved his soul. Go to the next picture. That's my treasure in my church. It's my best friend. He and I, he got saved right at the same time I was getting right with the Lord. We kind of grew together as Christians. He kind of, he's at home right now. He works in the oil field. Boy, he's a cusser, drinker. God saved him. He started cleaning him up. And you go to Louisiana, go on an oil rig, and you mention the name Randy Barmore. Everybody knows who that man is. His wife runs our nurseries at our church and, and just kind of takes over the nurseries at our church. One of the sweetest couples. You know what happened? The preacher and the deacon got lost soul winning on a Thursday night. And way we were lost, drove by. She was walking out in the street. They stopped and asked for directions, invited them to church. She was saved. She came with her three boys, and he teaches my adult Sunday school class, and not a week goes by. He doesn't give his testimony. He said, man, they've been to church before, but there was something different about this church. He said, they started reading their Bibles. They started praying. Man, they were excited about going to church. And on a Thursday night, on a Thursday night, one of our soul winners dropped his boy off at his house from soul winning. On his way home, the Holy Spirit said, turn your car back around, go talk to Randy. He went back, and Randy was ready. And the Lord saved his soul that night in 1994. Looks a little different from that beer sitting on his, right hand, on his left hand side. And that cigarette in his hand, doesn't it? Don't judge a book by its cover. One of the best men, one of the best Christians you'll ever meet is Randy Barmore. Go to the next one, please. 
This man here, his name's Sonny, told me to tell you hi, Dad. Sonny Nussman looked just like that when the preacher and the deacon went to see him. Sonny's Indian, mean, kicked the preacher and the deacon out of his house, and it's time for you fellows to go. Kicked them out. They got in their car. His wife there next to him, she was praying for him to get saved. They got in the car and said, I don't think he's going to be coming. Had a Carl Hatch was coming to preach revival for us, and his wife begged him to come. And, and boy, Carl, when he came and he, he would come to church, he said, Okay, God, if you're real, you had the preacher preach on this. He got to church, and guess what the preacher preached on? Carl Hatch came for one of our revivals. Sonny Nussman walked out and got saved. You can show that next picture now. He's one of my trustees. Over 20 years, been in our church. Used to be hooked on dope. Used to smoke crack cocaine. One of the best couples that I know. I promise you that lady right now, she prays for me. She tells me she loves me all the time. They, they love their preacher and I love them. Well, I'm glad I stayed at a place long enough to look at some old books. And I'm glad I didn't judge some books by their cover. Because if you looked at old Sonny Nussman years ago, I don't know. I don't know. One of the best men I know. You can go to the next one. That guy right there on the right-hand side, his name's Patrick. Patrick's 54 years old. He's had four heart attacks and bypass surgery. 14 years. 14 years. He's not had a drink of alcohol, and he's not had any drugs. Go to the next picture. That's him in jail with his mom because he got arrested on a felony drug charge. Go to the next picture. That's him and his family today. By the way, Patrick's been coming to our church six or seven years now and his family. Just a, a joyous family. I had to ask him, and for two years he put me off. He teaches my discipleship class. Two years he put me off. said, man, I can't do that. He said, I'm just not worthy to do that. I said, you're worthy. He said, he said how do you know that I'm worthy? Because you think you're not worthy. Wednesday night, he stood up for the first time. Preached the Wednesday night Bible study. Gave his testimony to our church. Called him last night and he talked to me last night. He said, man, I was scared to death. He said, but I want to thank you for giving me the opportunity. I can call him right now if I need anything. If I break down tomorrow, Patrick will come get me. But if you go back to where he's sitting in jail, man, God never used you. Have you read your Bible lately? God only uses misfits. It seems that you look through the disciples. They were not churchgoers as far as I know. But God has used them in a great and a mighty way. How many folks come into church that we judge a book by their cover? My friend, you understand you don't know what God can do. Go to the next one, please. Right there. My girls know him as Grandpa Steve. Steve is 80 years old right now. He was the number one Coors Light seller in the state of Louisiana. He got Coors Light into Walmart. Oh, you heathen! He is. He'll tell you he was. I was mowing yards, and he pulled up beside me about seven, eight years ago. He said, do you work on mowers? I said, I can. He said, well, why don't you come over here and look? And we started a relationship. 
I became pastor of the church. He said, I need to get right with God. He said, I've saved. He was an all-district and all-state football player in the state of Illinois. Moved down here, worked in, the, in the Louisiana, worked in the racetrack, got into the beer-selling business and was there for 20 years. He, his wife got cancer. She passed away, and he retired. He said, i got to get right with God. He started coming to our church. And there's, if he's not sick, he's usually sitting in our church. One of the biggest blessings that you'll ever find is that man right there. But when he told me he sold beer, first thing, ooh, ooh. But he'll tell you right now. He said, I was away from God. Aren't you? I'm glad that I didn't judge a book by its cover when he walked into my life that day. Go to the next one. That man right there. I got a phone call from one of my church members. She said, what do I do? I said, what? She said, my neighbor's having a heart attack. They're loading him in the ambulance, and he don't want to go. I'm on the phone with her. I said, tell him to prepare to meet thy God. He went to the hospital. I called her. She said, the next day, he said he walked out of the hospital. They wouldn't do nothing. They were making him wait. So he's having a heart attack, walks out of the hospital. I said, would he let me come pray with him? She said, I think he would. And so I went to his house at 10 o'clock the next morning, knocked on his door. His wife answered the door, May May. She said, I've seen you at a birthday party before. I said, yeah, but I'm here to talk to Gary. I said, is he here? She said, he's asleep, but she said, I'll go get him. Gary walks out. He stepped out the door. We sat on the front porch. I said, Gary. He said, Don, he said, they didn't do nothing for me last night. He says, I got tired of waiting. I come home. He said, I got two days to live. I took my Bible and we talked about the Lord. We went through the Romans road and I asked him, I said, Gary, are you saved, man? He said, I sure am. I said, how do you know that? He said, last night in that ambulance, I asked the Lord to save me. Raised Pentecostal, not, didn't know anything about the Bible. I said, Gary, I said, let's do this. I said, you may have two days left, you may have five years, I don't know. But I said, why don't you give the rest of your days to God? I can count on my hand how many times he's missed church since then. His heart works at 15%. He's got a pacemaker. He's got a defibrillator. His heart is, is horrific. But he don't miss church. He just does not miss church. He said, man, I'll never. He said, this is the place. And he still got issues. And, and all of us still got issues. But boy, I thank God that I didn't judge a book by its cover. And I thank God he's been such a blessing to our church and to his wife. And, and just what God has done through them. I'm telling you, church, uh, we better get out of this business. And when folks walk in, they don't look like us. They don't dress like us. They don't act like us. Hey, we got to take them from somewhere. And we got to take them. And they may be a book that doesn't look interesting right now. And God can't use them. But my friend, God can use you. He used him and he's used me. Go to the next one. My bodyguard. Kenny's six foot, about six foot four, six foot five, probably 380 pounds. Kenny drove by, lives in our area, drove by our church, and something on the sign struck his attention. And he told himself, I need to go to that church. He goes down to the Walmart there to get gas, and when my kids were little, we'd all jump out, and every time we'd go to a gas pump, we'd put a track at the top of the gas pump. He said, I drove by the church, and I said, I need to go to that church. I pull into Walmart to get gas, and there's that track. You're invited to Indian Hills Baptist Church. So the next Sunday, he showed up. 
I went to his house, couldn't catch him. He'd come to church. I said, man, I'm trying to catch you at home. Went to his house, couldn't catch him. Finally, the third week, I said, look, if you're not going to be home when I come by, let's go in my office and talk. He said, Brother Don, I need to be saved. And in my office, I led Kenny to the Lord. Went to baptize him. He said, Brother Don, I want to get baptized. He's this tall, and I'm this tall. So Brother Randy that you saw that, I said, Brother Randy, get your waders on. I said, look, all I need is a boost. I said, so you stand behind, and when I lay him down, you just throw me a boost and boost him up so I can get him up. And man, water was coming over the baptistry, and we got me and Kenny together. It's a big load, and then Randy was in there, and so, and so we just had a good time. But he stands there and watches the door. I promise you, you mess with Brother Don, Kenny Morris will come after you. Boy, I sure am glad the first time that he walked in, I thought, man, he can't do anything for God. You see that shirt right there? I bought him that shirt. It says Indian Hills Baptist Church. He came over to my house one night, and it was late at night. He knocked on my door. And anytime somebody knocks on the door at night, Brother Don, I need to talk to you. I'm like, oh, great. Who died or who's leaving? The, you're leaving the church. He said, Brother Don, I want to wear a tie, and I don't know how to tie it. I said, man, that's easy. Come on in. And we'll tie his tie, and he don't untie him. You know how it used to? He'll just take them down and throw them over his head, and on Sunday he puts it back on and zips it back up. But, hey, I'm just glad I didn't judge a book by its cover the first time I saw Kenny Morris. Go to the next one. This one here. He's in heaven tonight. He died of COVID. His name's Barry Simpson. Barry Simpson used to go to the First Baptist Church of Hammond was saved under the ministry of Dr. Jack Hiles many years ago. If you remember, years and years ago, there was a youth activity. And they were in a, went swimming in some river or creek. There was an undercurrent, and one of the boys got sucked under and died and drowned. That was his son. He got mad at God, left the church, went to the world, lived a life of wickedness, moved to Louisiana because one of his boys was there. Just... You don't know, and you say, well, I wouldn't have left. Look, you don't know what will happen when you lose a child. You don't know. It changes everything. He just could not get over that for some reason. And, and later in his years, he started coming to church. Boy, he got on fire with God and got right with God. One of the best baritone voices you'll ever hear. I'd walk in, he'd turn the lights on for me in every service, and he'd make coffee, and we'd just walk in, and he'd be singing. He's like an angel in heaven. Just loved it. End of his life. He and his son were working a job. He got COVID. His son got COVID. His son was in the hospital with COVID and double pneumonia. The day he went to heaven, I talked to him. Preacher, he said, I'm getting better. He said, but I'm going back to the doctor tomorrow. That was about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. At 11 o'clock the next morning, his kids walked in his room. They even checked on him that night. And that, <clears throat> that next morning, they didn't hear him stirring. They went in there and found him. He had slipped on to heaven. Boy, I'm glad I didn't judge a book. By its cover. Somebody walked in our church broken, needing some help. A lot of times we can cast them away. Go to the next one, please. For those of you, especially young people, you don't have to live a life of wickedness to do something for God and come back to God. That young lady right there, just a, a young teenager, whole life in front of her, just doing everything that you're supposed to do, going to school, graduating, going to college, go to the next one. Gets married, meets her mate in college, go to the next one. Has a couple of kids. 
You remember that first picture I told you about, I showed you of me playing football? What I didn't tell you is every morning when I get up, I walk out of my room. And I go into the kitchen, and in her house, the hallway opens up to a, a big kitchen, and you can turn this way and go to the living room. And every single morning of my teenage years, I would walk through that, and I'd see, I'd look over there in the dark, and that little lady was on her knees praying for me. Praying for me. Brother Josh this morning talked about prayer. I was the only person in the building telling him to shut up. I said, that's my sermon tonight. All through my teenage years, though, there was a lady on her knees praying for her son. Hey, God, get my son right. Hey, God, do something with my son. Hey, God, he, he's out in the world. He's not right with you, but I bet you now she's happy she took that time to pray. Don't judge a book by its cover. You can go to the next one. She's in our church. She plays the piano for me. The best Christian I know. The best Christian I know. And I don't stand here today without her prayers. I don't get right with God without her prayers. I don't go to Bible college without my pastor telling me to go to Bible college. I don't meet my wife. I don't meet Dave and Cheryl Herman. I don't meet Mark O'Donnell and the good people of Community Baptist Temple. Church, you understand something tonight. We all judge. But don't judge a book by its cover. You may sit in this building tonight and you think you can't do anything for God because of your past. That's a lie straight out of the pits of hell. There is something you can do. You may have lost some position. You may not be able to stand up in front of the church and do something. But I promise you, there's an offering plate that can be passed. There's a, a greeter that can be done. There's something that you can do. And there's others here. You're sitting here and your heart's grown so cold. And you know the things of God. You know what you could do. And you won't. Hey, I, I got news for you. I think there's more places in the choir. I think there's more Sunday school classes that could be taught and you could be doing those but there may be some things in your life that you wouldn't get rid of so you can stand up and have a form of leadership in the church. Hey friend, there's something that you can do. Somebody walks in this church, you can go shake your hand. Hey, good to see you today. Glad that you're here. You realize the first time you came into this place not knowing anybody, it's kind of a big place. People are a little scared. I tell my door greeters all the time, if a visitor comes in, quit talking and focus on them. When a visitor walks in with babies, don't you tell them, point to the nursery. Take them to the nursery. Don't You got kids that need to go to Sunday school, show them where the Sunday school is. Invite them to sit with you. Man, people are scared to death. When they walk in a building. Isn't it amazing? That one stinks. I can't sit by him. There's some seats up there you can have. We all are guilty of judging a book. By its cover. Not a one of us did not. My friend, we're trying to build the kingdom of God. God has chosen to use us to do it. I see Samuel. As I see him, he was doing what God told him to do. And Samuel did that which the Lord 
spake. I sure am glad God doesn't look on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. Just a couple of statements and I'm done. I'm sure I'm glad God does not look, judge me on the outside. You see, if I got the inside right, the outside's going to get right. Let me say that again. If the inside's right, the outside is going to get right. You may be a parent here. You got a kid away from God. Well, I sure am glad that lady went to heaven's gates for me. I'm her preacher boy. You ask her if she's pleased with her son. You better believe it. Just like I'm sure Brother Pete back there is pleased with his son. Just like I watched a dad this morning sit here very pleased with his son. Just like I see a family serving God. I promise you, Brother Mark's heart bubbles over because his family serving God. You see, I, I'm glad God just doesn't look at me. No drunk. By the way, I was. Say, so how do you know? Quit something. It'll tell you if you're addicted to it. That's anything. Quit eating. You'll find out you're addicted to it. Quit listening to music. You'll find out you're addicted to it. Quit drinking. You'll find out you're addicted to it. Quit smoking. You'll find out you're addicted to it. It's an amazing thing. I was a drunk. But I'm glad there were some people, an old hippie one day, got right with God, started asking God, God, how do I reach him? How do I reach him? I was at a football game after high school. uh, The year after I graduated, I was going to a football game. Had a big old child tobacco in my mouth, and I was drunk. Walking to the stadium, guess who was coming out? There's my preacher, Brother Rogers, and his boy. I'm like, oh, no. He's going to know I'm drunk. My wife's laughing because she knows. He called. You know how you do. You try to avoid him. Don! Oh. I walked up, and I know I'm sitting there doing this. Hey, how you doing? Good to see you. Not one time ever said anything. If he'd have got on me for being drunk right there, I'd have never walked in that church again. If he'd have got on me for having a child tobacco in my mouth, I'd have never walked in church again. Never one time said anything. Just went to God. God, how do I reach you? Instead of judging folks as they walk in, why don't we stop that and say, God, how can we reach them? How can we reach them? Oh, I sure am glad. Samuel, when he was coming to anoint David king, he didn't take the best looking. He didn't take the strongest. He didn't take the one with the greatest appearance. He waited for the one the Lord told him to anoint. My friend, can I encourage you tonight? Don't judge a book by its cover. Don't judge a book by its cover because every person mentioned here tonight could have had somebody preconceived idea they couldn't be anything for God. And there's a little church down in 7131 Old Morning Sport Road that's got some people in it tonight that if 20 years ago people would have looked at them said there's no way they'd be in the position they are today. But God takes the ugly and makes them gorgeous. God takes the unlovely and makes them lovely.
God's done a work at Indian Hills Baptist Church and there's many of you, you have the same testimony as many of them tonight and don't you let the devil convince you you can't do anything for God because God has something for you to do. You may be here tonight and you're not even saved. My friend, one day you're going to stand in the judgment of God. You'll give an account. What are you waiting on? What are you waiting on? Well, Brother Don, if I do that, I'm going to have to do this. No, you don't. You don't have to give up anything to be saved. God will take care of all that. All you have to do is simply say, God, I'm going to trust you. Would you save my soul? My friend, at that moment, he'll save you. We get so concerned about who we're going to have to give up and what we're going to have to give up. 23 years ago, people thought I gave up on them because I didn't go to the bars anymore. And I didn't hang out with the drinkers anymore. My best friend in high school still my, uh, lives in my neighborhood. 23 years later, he thinks I deserted him. I didn't desert him, but I couldn't get right if I'm sitting there in that junk. But you know who he called when his son was born and had a hole in his heart? He called his preacher friend. You know, when his son was a junior in high school and had an asthma attack and he's got bad lungs and he was in the hospital, you know who he called? He called his preacher friend. He needed somebody to pray. You see, if I was still sitting in the bar with him, he wouldn't have called me to pray for him. You know who he called when his daddy died and he needed him to preach a sermon, his funeral service? He called his preacher friend. He got saved at my ordination. Many years ago. He go to church? No. Is he faithful? No. But I was there the night he got saved. Is he doing what he's supposed to do? No. Man's worth $12 million. But when he's in trouble, can I tell you who he calls? He don't call his drinking buddies. He calls his preacher. His preacher friend. I don't know what God's going to do with him. But what if every time I saw him, you know what? You shouldn't do that. You know what? You, you ought to quit that. Friend, that's between him and God. He comes to my church. I'm going to blow him up. He comes and sits behind the pulpit. I'm going to change my sermon. Why I think alcohol is wrong through the Bible, and I'll get after it. And we'll preach. But my friend out in the public, he's got a friend. Don't judge a book. By its cover. Some of those guys were old when they got right. You may be here today away from God. Why don't you come on home today? You may think God has given you some kind of a raw deal. Brother Don, you don't understand. Don't have to. God's still got something for you to do. Church, visitor walks in this door. Fifty people ought to jump at that visitor. Let them know they're great that they're here. You don't know. I looked this morning over here at these young people. You don't know what God has in store for them young people. We were driving out of here today, and I saw those buses and the water wars about to get going, and I saw those little kids, and, man, you don't know what God would do. Can you go back to, Brother O'Donnell, will you go back to Randy Barmore, to or Randy number two? And I'll shut up. I should have shut up ten minutes ago. Randy, Bar Randy number two. Uh, Randy number three. There you go. You know who won him to the Lord? A fella that was saved in the bus ministry at 13 years of age. 
What if a pastor were to shut down his bus ministry? Think about that. Old bus kid got saved. 20 years later, led that man to the Lord. You think that man, anytime I need money for diesel, you think he'd give it? You better believe it. He believes in the bus ministry. Because without a bus ministry in Apollo, Pennsylvania, that man right there never meets the soul winner that the Lord had ready for him to meet and won him to the Lord. Don't judge a book by its cover. You're here tonight and you're unsaved. My friend, the greatest day in your life will be the day you get saved. You're in here tonight. You're in here tonight away from God. Why don't you come on home today? God's got something for you to do. Brother Don, I'm not worthy. There's not a person in here worthy. Come on home. Come on home. Get it right. You're here tonight. you got some family members that are wayward. Why don't you hit the altar and get on your knees and make a covenant with God? You're going to go to God on their behalf every single day. I promise you. I promise you, like he said this morning, you'll never regret praying for somebody. Don't judge a book by its cover. Father, I ask that you take what's been said. Lord, there are better preachers that could preach a better sermon. But Lord, I sure am glad you don't look at us and pick out everything that's wrong. And God, I ask that you'd revive our hearts tonight in this place. In this place, Lord, you give us a desire to do something for you. Lord, there's not a one of us in here worthy to be called your child. Lord, I thank you that I am. I'm thanking that the gospel got to me. I'm thanking you people didn't look at me and have preconceived ideas of what I could or could not do. Thank you, Lord. There was a pastor that prayed for me and a mama that prayed for me. Lord, I thank you for using me and putting me in the ministry. Lord, I ask that you'd help these people tonight. Lord, may some business be done in the next few minutes on these altars that change somebody's life for all eternity. Lord, somebody come back home because they're away from you, but there's going to be a mom or a dad or a grandma or a grandpa or a friend that's going to start praying for them. Lord, I just ask that you do a work. Lord, if anybody's not saved, may they get saved tonight. Bless us now in this invitation, please. With their heads bowed and our